Hi, I'm Kare from Queen Kwong. And I'm Laura Mary from Blood Red Shoes. And we're the hosts of the music podcast, Never Meet Your Idols. Where your idols get real, whether you like it or not. More like whether they like it or not. <laughs> True. Join us Tuesday for our episode with Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next Tuesday. Sad Bastard. I'm Dave Tarnowski. I've been looking at a lot of old photos lately, going back all the way to the beginning of my relationship with my ex over seven years ago. Torturing myself, I should say. But it's also been a really nice thing to do, remembering all those good times. It's crazy to me how many photos you could amass over the years. I mean, back when photos were physical things only, people still took a ton, but nothing like now. I have thousands upon thousands of photos of her and us, vacations we took, our engagement party, our wedding, day-to-day life, selfies she took with my phone so she could make a funny face and set it as the wallpaper for my main screen. I miss that stuff so much so hard to reconcile how a love like that, a partnership like that, could go bad. The smiles on our faces, the love for each other I can clearly see in our eyes. I don't even have to look at the photos to see that look in her eyes. It's still there, etched into my mind. Unfortunately, so is the look in her eyes the last time I saw her love replaced with something else entirely. How glad I am I don't have photos of that. It's hard to even imagine having a love like we had again. So I'm not going to. I'm not even going to think about love anymore. I just need to think about living now. About changing. And to do that I need to let things die. I feel like the last episode of this podcast was the closing of a chapter. It truly was the long goodbye. That quote, to say goodbye is to die a little, has been one of my favorite quotes ever since I first read the long goodbye over 20 years ago. And yet I see it a little differently when I think about my life now. I have to let things die in order to live. I'm saying goodbye to my old life, and a new one is being born in its place. Not that the pain has vanished, not that it ever will completely, but it's about accepting that pain, accepting what I did to cause that pain for both of us. One of my favorite bands for nearly 30 years now, Jesus fucking Christ, that just makes me feel old. Nine Inch Nails. 
And I just listened to the Downward Spiral, probably their best known album for the first time in a very long time. Certainly for the first time since she and I split. And when it got to hurt, the final track, again, probably their best known song, I was blindsided by it. This was a song I had listened to hundreds, if not thousands of times over the years. This wasn't a new song that had arrived in my life at the exact right time, like the ones I discussed in the episode High Fidelity. This was a song I had heard for the first time when I was 16 years old. The Downward Spiral had been the soundtrack for my teenage angst. Hurt was a song hiding in plain sight. A song waiting to take on new significance. And I truly feel like it's the right song at the right time for where I am right now. The Downward Spiral, for those unfamiliar with it, is a concept album. A grouping of songs that tell a narrative, each song being a chapter, each chapter taking the central character further and further down the spiral to self-destruction. And Hurt is the epilogue. Everything has come crashing down around the protagonist, and he's now looking back, sorting through the rubble, examining each piece like an old photo. He's regretful, mournful, plaintive, but open, accepting, not just of what happened, but of his part in making it happen. And even though I had listened to the song many, many times and knew all of the lyrics by heart, as I was singing along, it was like I was rediscovering the song. And somehow I wasn't ready for what was coming. As the song nears its end, Trent Reznor sings these lyrics. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else. I am still right here. I absolutely fucking lost it hearing that. Squeezing my eyes shut from the pain, tears streaming down my face. I suddenly found that I was the character in the song I had known for years but never connected to in such a deep way before. I had let her down. I had made her hurt. I did those things. And she is someone else. And I am still right here. But I am becoming someone else. I blew everything up, and I've been sifting through the debris for nine months, trying to find a way to put it all back together. But in the end, I've realized that I can't. I need to build something new instead. Hurt ends on a somber, regretful note. But there's a tinge of hope. If I could start again, a million miles away, I would keep myself. I would find a way. And again, I am that character. I am starting again, and I will be miles away. And I will find a way. I am. And one of the most important things is I'm finally learning how to be self-reliant. I'm taking responsibility for myself. I'm saving money for the first time ever. On my own, that is. 
I used to have a joint savings account with my ex, but she always saved way more than I did. She made a lot more than I did, but she had always been a saver. Meanwhile, I spent most of my money on shit I just didn't need. I dumped tens of thousands of dollars over the years into a mineral collection that would have made Hank from Breaking Bad jealous. Don't get me wrong, I still love them. But I should have been investing in our future instead. Or at the very least, learning to be self-reliant and saving a ton of money on my own so I wouldn't be in such a precarious situation if we ever split. But I never even fathomed us splitting. That's how in denial I was. Me sitting there with my fucking rocks. Jesus Christ, Marie, they're not rocks, they're minerals! <laughs> anyway, what I didn't do in the past doesn't matter. Not anymore. I can say I could have and should have done a million things a million times and I'd still be in the same fucking place. Doesn't change anything. I need to change. I get so many people writing to me on Instagram about how they hate the way things are in their lives. Daniel wrote, My life has been achingly dull and boring for like five years running now. And there's Sean who wrote, Monotony, sick of the routine I've developed just to get through quarantine. And then Charlie wrote, I work from home and I end up lazing around after work. Any ideas on how to keep busy? It doesn't matter what it is you're going through. If you don't like something about your life, work to change it. Easier said than done, I know. But what isn't? Sometimes these things are thrust upon us by circumstance. When I look back at those old photos, I also remember the sense of safety I felt when I was with my ex. Well, that shit is gone. And it took me a long time to start realizing that I could feel it on my own. It's still a very new thing, very fragile. I'll look at my minerals and think, I could get one more. But the difference is now I want to change. I want to save. And part of that comes from being on my own. Making decisions, good ones I mean, has always been hard for me. But so has pushing things past the idea phase. Pushing past the fear and doing the things. Everything I don't know how to do is scary to me. So scary that most times I don't even try. And that hasn't changed all that much, but I've been taking baby steps in the right direction. Or at least in a direction. I'm still scared. I'm scared as fuck. But I know no one is going to live my life for me. No one is going to take me by the hand and help me every step of the way. I could totally relate to Daniel, the guy who wrote about his life being achingly dull and boring for like five years. I felt like that for most of my life. I derived my excitement from being with others and devoted my life to others. In a sense, I still do. 
helping people with these podcasts and with my Instagram stories. But through these things, I've helped myself change. There's no real us here, except the collective us, the community. And I love this community I've built and will keep building. It's made me stronger. Occasionally I get submissions like this one from Sarah. I love seeing everyone sharing, but does it weigh on you to always read everyone's woes? Sarah replying to messages from others about their woes is my way of examining my own. It gets me out of my head so I can get into my head. I know that's a bizarre statement, at least on the surface. But I wouldn't be able to write these scripts that become podcast episodes without understanding myself in ways I hadn't before. And it's not that I'm a totally different person now. I'm just unlocking things within myself that had kept me from being certain ways before. The first step was being vulnerable, admitting that I have problems, a lot of problems. It's so easy to make the mistake of thinking other people are the source of all your problems, or that you don't have any problems. I used to be so closed off when it came to that stuff. If it wasn't a good feeling, I didn't want to talk about it. I avoided conflict as much as possible and quite often still do. I avoided hard conversations with loved ones, especially with my ex. I always feared rocking the boat, that it was the end of the world if she got mad at me. Bottling that shit up made me act out in self-destructive ways. It also didn't make it easy for me when I started talking through my shit. I'd walk into my therapist's office and just start yammering away. One of my former therapists said something like, you come in and just unload a whole pile of shit on me and then leave me to sort through it. And I think that comes from me not having sorted through it on my own. It's sort of like dropping off bags of laundry for the person at the laundromat to do instead of doing it myself. I still do that in a way with these podcasts. Every week I'm like, But the more I do, the more I sort through my emotions, my baggage. I've actually taken a break from therapy for a bit mostly for financial reasons, as I'm saving as much as possible to move in July. And to be honest, it's been good for me. I don't think I've ever really had the right therapist. And when I get back to New York, I'll find a new one. They'll be my new one for this next phase of my life, and I'll work differently with them. It'll be less about me in the context of being in a relationship and all about me moving forward on my own. Just as this podcast will be less about me and my ex over time. I feel ready for the next phase of my life. If only I were able to jump right into it right now. But having to wait for something is also a strengthening thing. It's something that I think a lot of us took for granted before last year. When I was free to go anywhere and do anything, I didn't. But I'm taking a trip back home to New York next month, 
I'll be seeing friends and family and enjoying a change of scenery. Even if it's scenery I've already seen, that's fine. I'm even looking forward to the train rides. It's such a weird thing not having been on a train in over a year. It's surreal. I think this trip will be the official start to the next chapter of my life. And when I come back here, it may be for the last time. I don't know that I'd ever come back to DC after I move. Just the thought of coming back here to be alone for another three months makes me sad and I haven't even left yet. It's like getting out on a brief parole before coming back to serve out the rest of my sentence. But again, it'll be good for me. It's good to do things that I don't want to do. It takes the fear out of them. It dulls the sting, helps me grow. Quite often the things I fear the most are the ones most worth doing. And most of the fear comes from waiting. And the more I wait, the more I fear, the more I freeze. So I've been starting to face them head on. And the more I face fears, the less they scare me. Some things are far easier than I thought they ever would have been when I was living in the fear. Fear is a lie we tell ourselves is true. I was just watching this uh, Netflix docuseries, Murder Amongst the Mormons. It's about a guy who forged all sorts of documents and convinced so many people that these were the real deal. It wasn't the best docuseries ever, and I've seen a ton of them. I mean, I'm a fucking junkie for these things. But I was truly struck by something that this guy said in a tape recording. It's not so much what is genuine and what isn't as what people believe is genuine. Now this can be taken in so many different ways. I've told myself so many lies over the years that I ended up believing were true. And because I ended up believing them, they were true. If I told myself I couldn't do something, well, I couldn't. I couldn't allow myself to believe I could. But the opposite has also been true. I told myself so many times over the past nine months that I could have made things work out, that I could have done things differently, that I could go back and be better. None of that shit was true. And the belief that it all was true is keeping me from seeing the actual truth. It's maddening how that cycle of bullshit can keep you stuck. But it can be so hard to tell what's real and what isn't. We all have our own versions of reality. Revisionist histories of relationships that make us feel better about our roles in them. Or worse. What really is real? Are feelings real? Are memories real? Or are they just part truth and part fiction? And does it even really matter? Tom wrote in, What are we meant to be? Tom, I don't think we're meant to be anything. If we are, it should just be compassionate, kind, loving. It shouldn't be all about who can amass the most wealth. 
The whole notion of wealth and haves and have-nots was created by us. I guess it's better than kill or be killed. But by how much? I just started watching The Walking Dead again. Because I need to watch something that I can ignore right now. I just got through like 200 hours of emotional turmoil watching the entire eight seasons of House without a break. But one thing about The Walking Dead is it does show, I mean to a certain extent I guess, how we'd behave if things like money no longer mattered and it was just us fighting for survival and how most of us would be absolute dicks to one another. So maybe kindness isn't something to truly hope for. And I think this whole belief that we are meant to be anything is an arrogant one. And it's one that does nothing but make us disappointed in ourselves. If we aren't successful in whatever ways we measure success because we're taught to think that way, we're losers. We live and we die, and we do some stuff in between. And some of us have children who will go on to be disappointed adults because of thinking they're supposed to be something, and the cycle continues. So, Tom, it's up to you to figure it out. Decide what it is you want to be, then try to be it. And if you can't, try something else. There's no right answer. Just try to generally be good to people, especially yourself. My pal Adam, who runs Aborted Dreams on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, probably only fans at this point, asked me, what keeps you going? Honestly, buddy, just waking up every day. I just go, okay, I guess I have to do all that shit again. It's really that simple. Some days are better than others. Most days feel exactly the same. And by that I mean boring or shitty or downright painful. And it depends on the day. Or week. Or fucking year. Sometimes the good stuff only comes in tiny little moments that I have to cling to while they're around. Like catching fireflies. And then I squeeze the life out of them and I'm just left with gooey, glowing shit in my hand. Actually, when I was a kid I remember catching fireflies with my friends and we'd step on them and scrape them across the sidewalk with our sneakers and you'd see the guts glowing for a second and then they'd fade away. Yeah, humans are pretty terrible from a very young age. Why do we think we're meant to be anything? Duke asked, Are you using drugs for depression? Yes, Duke. Yes, I am. Sophie wrote, I would love to get into an accident just to get a pause from life. Maybe just take a pause, Sophie. But I get it. I've actually had that thought more than a few times. I'd be walking around and just think, what if a truck just hit me? Or what if I got really sick and was taken out for a while? These things seem attractive when we compare them to whatever misery we are currently experiencing. But really, 
they would just be in new misery. You know that saying, wherever you go, there you are? If you're laid up in bed, you're still there with the same fucking misery. Maybe you'd be able to take time off from work or whatever, but really, I'd rather take time off when I could enjoy it. Not that I enjoy much of the time I have these days when I'm not busy. Rachel wrote in, How to live each day to the fullest. Rachel, I have no fucking idea. What a full day is to you might be a nightmare to me. My ex and I used to joke that I'd only be able to do one thing a day. So if she wanted to do two things, she had to pick the more important one. I'm still not much different. Live life to the fullest is such a subjective idea. Sort of makes me think of Tom's question. What are we meant to be? It all depends. Right now, my life consists of working my day job, doing podcast episodes, Instagram stories, the occasional memes, the occasional five-minute masturbation session, or 10 if I need to cuddle after, 15 if I also need to cry, and some additional crying, and hours and hours of TV. Oh, and sleep. Is that a full life? No. But it's a full schedule. Lupo wrote, I'm tired of this world. Me too, Lupo. I mean, just look at my insane schedule. Look, if you're tired of this world, do something to make your world better. It's like I was saying earlier. If you don't like something and you have the power to change it, fucking change it. If you pay too much attention to everything that happens in this world, you can lose your mind. Focus on what you can control and let everything else go. Everyone tends to think big and it's just nothing but complaints. It's nice to bitch about things, but I don't know how much of an impact you're having if you post something about, say, bringing down capitalism in your Instagram stories. If that's the world you're tired of, I totally get it. But if all you're going to do is complain about this world and not do anything, well, then you get what you give. Absolutely fucking nothing. James wrote, Trying to change, but always falling into the same old ways. James, the most important thing here is you want to change, and you recognize that you're getting in your own way. You instantly reminded me of a poem I read in a previous episode, I think at some point last year, and I'm going to read it again now because fuck it, that's why. It's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters, and it was written by Portia Nelson. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't 
can't believe I am in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3 I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4 I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5 I walk down another street. James, I'm not sure what chapter you find yourself in right now. But the bottom line is, if you don't truly change the path you're on, you will end up falling into the same old patterns. Change isn't easy. It's one of the absolute hardest things to do. We naturally want to stay the same way, even if we're fucking miserable. It's a rewiring of your brain in a sense. You need to make a conscious effort to break the unhealthy cycle that you're going through. It's like me with the spending money I don't have. It got me into a lot of trouble when I was with my ex, and even more after we broke up. I spent a ton of money on things I didn't need to fill the gaping hole that her loss left inside me. And guess what? It did none of that. All it did was make me fall into a deep hole of debt. I took out a $20,000 loan this January to pay off my credit cards. And I have consciously kept myself from using them for things I don't need, unless they were little things. Even a $10 purchase now is like, do I really need that thing? Also, having a goal has really helped. I need to save so I can move in July and start my new life. And I want to save more beyond that. To build up a safety net of my own. To have my own back. To be self-reliant. I still want to buy all the things. But I just don't now. It's that easy. And that painfully hard. I am avoiding that metaphorical street with a big asshole on the sidewalk. Big asshole. Not big asshole. That's a totally different street. <laughs> and finally, this isn't a response to anyone in particular, sorta, but it's for anyone who writes in and doesn't get a reply. So they write in again and again and hound me and give me shit for not replying. Stop it. Seriously. I don't owe you anything. Especially not people who act like I owe them anything. And the more often you do that, the less likely it is I will ever answer you. I get hundreds of submissions every time I do the Q&As on Instagram. And I never reply to every single one. First of all, I can't. I don't have the time. And I don't have it in me. 
And then there are some that I would like to answer, but I just don't feel like I can. I don't have the experience. Anything that I would say would just be like, talk to someone else or, you know, Google it. I don't know. And then some of the things I get are stupid or tedious or things I'd rather not even waste my time on. But the ones that drive me up a fucking wall are the ones that come from people who write in over and over and over and over and over again and then get upset when I stop replying or don't reply. I am not your therapist. You are not paying me for this. I care. I really do. But I also have the right to not care. And it's a really fine line between the two. I love helping people. I love knowing that I've saved people's lives. But I have to take care of myself too. I have to put myself first. And that's a message for everyone listening. Stop trying to please everyone. Put yourself and your mental health above all else. Set boundaries for yourself and don't feel bad about them. The expectations of others are not your responsibility. If someone gets disappointed or upset with you, that's on them. I'm not saying be an asshole, though there will always be those moments when you kind of have to. People can be extremely demanding, and I always say be kind because you never know what shit other people are going through. But you gotta be mindful of what you're going through and what will affect you negatively. Changing your life includes changing what you allow to affect your life. And with that, I believe that's all for this week. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Okay, most of you. Anyway, as always, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Rate, review, share it with everyone you know who could benefit from it. And also follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, Don Drooper, Mimi Bridgers, and the Sad Bastard Pod. On Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, I do Q&As almost every day where you can tell me what's on your mind, and I might reply to it on a future episode. And also follow the Sad Bastard on the Stereo app, where I do a live podcast every Friday. I'll be back next week. Until then, be good to yourselves. You're the only you you've got. They say around here is true